0: Well, the title of my sermon this afternoon is Vital Ground, Key Terrain. Conquering Your Ground. Why don't you turn me to Joshua 13.1. Joshua chapter 13, verses 1. When Joshua was an old man, the Lord said to him, You are growing old, and much land remains to be conquered. All of the earth and all that is within it belongs to God. And God wants all of the earth and all of its lands to be under human stewards who are attuned to the living God, the ultimate author and creator of all things. God's mandate to his sons and to his daughters, to you and to I is as soldiers of Christ to possess this land and to steward it for his glory. If you are ever in doubt of, Lord, what mission have you for me? What is my role in the kingdom? It would be as simple as this. He has called you as believers to possess and steward the land he has taken for you and to use it and steward it for his glory. We are all called to take land for the kingdom of God. We see right the way through the Old Testament, naturally speaking, Abraham, Moses and Joshua, for example, their role was to take actual physical land for God, to subdue it, to influence it with Christ's values and kingdom's glory. Under the New Testament We also are called to take land, but it's not physical land, but it is spiritual land that we are called to take. This is our great commission, to take this spiritual land, and thereby we see his kingdom come, and we see his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We see it done in our own lives, when we take the land of our own lives and we see it in society and the world all around us. We're taking land for the living God and we're influencing it with the kingdom and his values. Now there's two types of land that we are called to conquer, that we need to conquer as believers here today and to see the kingdom come and his will be done. The first bit of land that we must take that is the most imperative, and that's the vital ground. The other part of ground that we must take is key terrain, vital ground and key terrain. On a natural level, you could see this vital ground, if you're a businessman here today, as maybe clients or Contracts, they are your stream of revenue, imperative to any business, having a stream of revenue. Your vital ground as a businessman is clients, is to get those contracts. If you don't attain those, everything else falls aside and will not function. Your key terrain, you could say, one of many areas, is your suppliers maybe, or your employees, or your infrastructure. You will need this for the successful mission of your journey. What about you as individuals? Well, from a military context, let's say, the vital ground in any battlefield would be ground that you must take for the success of any mission. We've seen many wars battled and wars fought for terrain, for physical land, influential positions of territory that strategically positioned an army or a force to have advantage over their enemy, to hold it, to take it, yes, but also defend it at all costs. Great movies have made of armies taking key bits of land, taking it. And defending it but in a military context the key terrain would be ground that is advantageous for then mission success you take your vital ground necessity and then you must take your key terrain to be able to dominate and influence your land from a personal perspective what is your vital ground What is my vital ground? What is the church's vital ground that we must take at all costs for mission success? Let me tell you, as believers, the vital ground that you must, must take in your life is your mind. Your mind. Your mind is your vital ground. If you do not take that, And do not defend that, then all else will begin to subside and fall apart. What is your key terrain as a believer? Your key terrain, if the vital ground is your mind, your key terrain is your calling. Your key terrain is your calling. Your mind, your calling, your vital ground, your key terrain for mission success, for your life. The great C.S. Lewis said these words, enemy occupied territory, that's what the world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed and is calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. As believers, you and I, we are in a spiritual battle. And we must, must take our vital ground for the success of this great campaign of sabotage and to bring kingdoms come to this earth for his will be done and to influence society for the glory of the living God. Vital ground. Your vital ground. Your mind. Let's start there. I remember just about to embark on something called hey-ho. Hey-ho is high-altitude, high-opening parachuting. And I want to share you a little bit of a secret, if you don't mind, this afternoon, Kensington Temple. If you would kindly keep this between me and you, because it's a little bit embarrassing, if I'm honest with you. Um, I'm a little bit scared of heights. I'm not a big fan of heights. And here I am, about to embark on high-altitude, high-opening parachuting. It wasn't going to be my favourite week in the agenda for that year. And I would pray to God. And I remember being in my cabin the night before, stuck out in some airport somewhere, just about to have to embark on this week's of high-altitude, high-opening training. And I remember being very nervous. And I remember waking up in the morning and the night before asking if, Lord, you would just send the clouds, that you would just send the rain, whatever it takes, I just ask and pray that I don't have to jump out the back end of that aircraft to tomorrow morning because you know, Lord, I'm not a big fan of heights and I don't enjoy parachuting all that much. I remember waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning and I think breakfast was something like 8 o'clock in the morning and our first jump would be something like 11 o'clock in the morning after we've done all the administration that goes into high altitude, high opening, military parachuting. I remember waking up about 5 o'clock in the morning. Have you ever been nervous of something the next day and you just seem to wake up early a little bit on edge about it? Well, I was on edge. I remember waking up and I felt wave and wave a wave of anxiety come over me. And I thought to myself, Chris, get a grip, come on. But something was tough to subdue. This negative thinking, this fear just began to overwhelm me a little bit too much. And it was so distracting and it became so debilitating to me. All that I could thought to do was to put on my headphones and listen to some Christian messages. I thought that would distract me. And as I prayed and I prayed and I listened to the messages, I was waiting for sunrise in the hope that God would answer my prayers and that I'd open up the curtains and see a nasty, cloudy, rainy day. But until that point, I kept praying. And I kept praying. It was still dark outside, but I kept praying. And I kept on listening to my message. Eventually the sun crept through my curtains and I knew dawn had broken. And I just waited for that heavy wind and that heavy rain to cancel the training that day. Such in faith that God answers all of our prayers. That if we speak to the mountain, it shall be lifted up and be thy removed and be cast into the sea. Whatsoever you ask in my name, it shall be established. A man of great faith, I confidently pulled back the curtains to see the most glorious, still, sunny day that you could ever imagine on your weather forecast. My heart sunk. I went back to my bed, disheartened, even more fearful now, and I put my headphones back in for a little bit of temporal appeasement for some calm and tranquility. I then averted to playing some worship music and just singing. I then began just to study the Bible and read the Word. I was reading a Christian book at the time as well, and I began to read that. and An hour had passed, and two hours had passed, but something began to change in me. I started to feel a lightness. I began to feel, should I say, more confident... I felt more bold. I actually got up and started to walk around my room. I looked out at the beautiful sunny day and I wasn't so angry anymore of God not answering my prayers. I began to get all my kit ready. Time was coming to go have our breakfast to embark on the day's training. But do you know what? Something began to change. I wasn't so fearful anymore. On the contrary, I felt quite upbeat and optimistic for what lay ahead. Something was changing. This was a pivotal moment in my life where I'd learn a key principle of renewing your mind. Absorbing the word of God. Listening to his truths. Let it permeate every part of your being so you listen to the voice of God and not your own voice, you listen to the word of God, and not your circumstantial situation, my mind was being renewed, I was growing in faith, I was growing in strength, I had a spring in my step, and I walked into the, 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 the dining area where we have breakfast, and there was a lightness, and a countenance over me, a joy about me, a spring in my step, and, and the men, guys would say to me, morning Chris, you're looking good, yeah, ready to go for a good day's parachuting lads, I felt good. There we are, time had come and we all went over to choose a parachute to put on to make our way across the pan, as we call it, towards our waiting aircraft. Just as I went over to grab my parachute, the officer came up to me and said, Chris, Chris, don't choose that parachute, it's got malfunction written all over it. In a split second, I felt that wave of fear come over me again. He was joking, but his statement was quite evidently concerning me, and I double-minded in that situation, didn't know whether I should change parachute. But something rose up inside me. I said, no, I'm trusting God that he's with me and not against me. I'm trusting God in this situation. I'm not going to fear anymore. The original parachute that had malfunction written all over it. I said, Lord, dispatch your angels right now. With any issues on this parachute, I just pray you'll rectify. But I'm trusting in you and I'm not listening to man. I boldly picked up the parachute and on my way to the aircraft. There we were in the aircraft. These parachutes have a one in a thousand failure rate. The first teams launched... And there was a delay, there was a delay. The aircraft circled, the aircraft circled, and we thought, what on earth is going wrong? It was so noisy up in the aircrafts, and at that altitude, the air is so thin, it's hard to breathe, everything's hard work, but the dispatcher came around with a bit of card and he went, malfunction, lost parachutist, we're waiting. One of our colleagues had jumped, the parachute hadn't opened, he had to go onto his reserve, We didn't know where he was at that stage. Until they had confirmation of where he was, then we'd be able to jump again. Finally, good news came around. Parachute is found. Next team, get ready to dispatch. (laughs) You can imagine how full of faith and excited I am now. The next team jumped. A delay. The aircraft began to circle. The aircraft... Loader came back with a sign, parachutist missing. Another parachute failed and he had got to go onto his reserve. I'm thinking, what on earth is going on here this morning? This just does not happen. I'm the third team to disembark. I'm fighting now. I'm holding on to that word I heard in the morning. I'm losing the vital ground of my mind that I'd fought so hard to establish. I was beginning to get toppled off it and all these negative thoughts started to take my mind and the fear was beginning to wash over me again. I felt a fight taking place in me to keep hold of this vital ground, to hold on to the ground of my mind, to think according to Christ and trust him according to his word. Finally, the dispatcher came back Parachute is found, next team, get ready to dispatch. That was me. I stood on the edge of the aircraft with the whole world, the land, before me. And I said, Lord, I jump into your arms. (laughs) I jumped, the parachute opened, the parachute was there, the parachute was square, and I was navigating to target. I was making my way to the key terrain. I'd won the temporal battle of the vital ground, of winning the battle of my mind, of having the strength and faith to take that leap, and now I was in God's hands. And I began to sing: Lord, your grace covers me like a soft summer shower, raining down on me, goodness and mercy. Ah. And as I sang, it was as if I quietly heard a voice from the Lord say, now you sing <laughs> but i learned something that day i learned that we've got to win our vital ground we've got to win this battle of the mind because until we take this vital ground of our mind we will not be able to take the key to reign you see the apostle paul speaks of something of this battle and he speaks to us about the weaponry, he speaks to us about the tactics, and he speaks really, figuratively, of the battle that you and I are facing to take this vital ground of our lives. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3-6, you'll know it well. And Paul says these words, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. What's Paul saying here? Well, he's very practical, really, because here he is in Corinth. Corinth is a town about 50 miles to the west of modern-day Athens. And in Corinth, there is a large hilltop. It's guesstimated at about 1,857 feet high to be exact. And on top of this large hill that overlooks Corinth and its land is a fortress established on top of it. And the Apostle Paul is looking at this fortress. He's looking at this stronghold. And he's using it as an imagery and an analogy for you and I to describe this great battle that we are under. This fight that we have for this fortress to take this high ground. You see, he, uh, these words that he uses, such as strongholds and, uh, and, and casting down t- towers and, and taking things captives. Paul is using imagery of a spiritual warfare that, that he fought and that you and I must fight too so what are these strongholds what are these towers what are these captives that he's describing well they are arguments they are thoughts that that uh, that, that that oppose us that are contrary to the kingdom that are contrary to the word of god he took every captive every thought captive to the obedience of christ the bible says every thought and intention that was contrary to and against God Paul was saying i take that stronghold captive immediately when a thought comes to your mind that is countercultural of the kingdom countercultural of the kingdom we must immediately take it captive we must suppress it because these antichrist Thinkings and thoughts will begin to establish strongholds and towers in our mind and they will begin to dominate over our land and over our area where we are to uh, embark on our calling. We are to tear down these strongholds, but not only tear down the strongholds that oppress us, that look down on us, but we are to establish towers of right thinking for ourselves that are hard to penetrate, that elevate us to a place of strength and victory, whereby we can then begin to dominate the land and take the key terrain of your calling that God has taken you to advance and taken you to win for his glory. We must take these strongholds down, the thinkings that we have in our mind that are against Christ, that are oppressing us, fear, worry, anxiety, whatever it might be, that is counter-scriptural. It's counter-Christ. It's counter-kingdom. And God is calling you to a fight of faith, to tear those down, to take them captive, to lock them away to take the word of the living God, which is life, which is peace, which is joy, to let that be on the forefront of your thought and thinking, for that to be pinned to your eyelids, so that everything of life is filtered through that, and thereby you grow strong. You become a strong and mighty tower on the living stone of Christ Jesus, you yourself being a living stone, and you become strong in who you are. You become strong because who you are is in Christ Jesus and he is your strength and he is your reward and he's the one who's leading you into the path of righteousness and into your calling to advance the kingdom. We're tearing down strongholds here this afternoon. We're building towers of his word and strength so you will be fruitful and successful in your mission and endeavors with the living, mighty God. You see, these antichrist thoughts, what they do is they give a foothold. They give access points. They give a beachhead. They give a rampart for the antichrist thinking and world system to begin to get ahead into you, a rampart into your thinking that oppresses you And pushes you down and holds you against doing what Christ has called you to do and what he's called you to be. We must tear them down and build ourselves up. And not give society that's anti-Christ or anti-Christ thinking to get a foothold in your life. Let me ask you today, what are your thoughts? What are you thinking upon today? Because you see, once we begin to think on the right things, when we begin to study the word of God, when we allow it to permeate, every part of our being, when we allow it to saturate us, wherever we go and whatever we do, we put our headphones in, we listen to the word, we put our headphones in on the tube and we listen to his worship music. There's more of Christ influencing you than the external influencing you from the world and you begin to renew your mind, you begin to grow strong and then you begin to establish this strong and mighty tower in your mind circumstantively nothing may have changed your environment may have changed but you have changed in that environment and you have grown strong you have grown tall and then from this vantage point from this high strong position and from this mighty tower building on God's word you begin to be able to see the plane and the land of life and society around you from a vantage point, from this vital ground, and you're able to make wise decisions. You're taking the spiritual high ground, should we say, and you're beginning to be able to see advances of the enemy coming toward you you're beginning to see the landscape for what it is. You're being able to get your finger on the pulse with the philosophies and worldviews of the day that are countercultural. You are in a strong position. Your lens to which you see life is being altered because you're thinking upon the word and you're taking God at his word. And that is beginning to influence you and that is beginning to change you. You're fighting the good fight of faith. You're not living life from the valleys. You're living life from the mountain top. You see, life at the valleys, it's dark, it's shaded, it's cold. You can't see the full perspectives. You cannot see the entire landscape for what it is. And you down there are being dominated and influenced by the strong towers of thinking that's against Christ of its day. But when you rise up in the word, you establish yourself on that strong tower and you begin to influence and you begin to dictate in Christ-like manner for his glory, the love and grace of a living world to a dark and lost world. You become the light that begins to penetrate and influence it Our senior minister this morning, and we just saw it on the video just then, said these words that jumped out to me. We are to constantly challenge ourselves to step out of our own mindsets. We're to constantly challenge ourselves to step out of our own mindsets. We're not here to live according to the mindset of the world, but for the mindset of Christ. We are above and we are not beneath. We are the head. And we are not the tale. We begin to see life from a new lens and a new perspective. There was a group of disciples following Jesus in John six sixty six. It's branded the Antichrist scripture. It reads like this. From that time, many of his disciples went back. And walked with Jesus no more. And Jesus turned to his disciples and said, Are you also going to leave me? There was his disciples. They were believers. They were walking with Christ on the journey that he was leading them into. Their vital ground had been taken and he was taking them on a journey to take some key terrain. But it was something Jesus said that made them stop on their tracks. And they turned back and walked with him no more. And walking away from him no more, they started to walk away from their vantage point of the vital ground of the strong and mighty tower, and they began to walk down back into the valleys of life, of darkness and obscurity. Where are you turning back from today? Is there something in his word? Has he been prompting you in your spirit about something? You've been walking with him merrily. You're a strong believer. You've seen his faithfulness to this day in your own life. But there's something in your mind that's telling you to turn back. I'm saying to you today, stop. Hold on to Jesus. You may not understand where he's leading you or why he's leading you or why he's saying what he's telling you. But trust him at his word, because he will lead you into the key terrain of his life. Don't walk down from the strong and mighty tower, from that vantage point of your life, down into the valleys. Keep walking with him, because he is your strong, mighty tower. Take God at his word. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians, Apostle Paul in the Corinthians First, in Ephesians 5.15, he says, walk wisely. He's saying to us, walk wisely. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will for your life is. In 1 Corinthians 2.16, he says, you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. You see, people who only have the physical life, whose hearts and spirits have not come alive to the truth of Christ, whose minds have not been transformed to the spiritual theology and the word of the living God live in darkness. They only live according to the physical life. You could say their minds are blinded. And they see life only through a natural, physical perspective. But that's not you, he says. You have the mind of Christ and have true understanding and you have true revelation. You see, when your mind is renewed, when you take that vital ground, you begin to see things. You begin to see the lie of the land. You can observe supernaturally. We're living in a dark world but God gives you the light to see through the truth of the dark age. He takes you by the hand and he's able to navigate you through to where he's calling you to be and asking you to take for his glory and that's the key terrain of your life. You've got a new mind. You've got a new lens. You're allowing the word of God to influence you more than anything else external of you you're becoming watchmen. You're guarding that vital ground. You're observing the land holistically from the vantage point and not from the valleys. You're taking your key terrain. I spoke to a friend of mine not so long ago, but I've seen a process in his life that is disheartening to me. I see at one stage he was a great man, a good Christian man who had taken his vital ground. He became an influential officer in the military. And there he was, and slowly but surely, I started to see a man who was making decisions according to the environment and not according to the word. You could say he was John 6, 66 Moments where he wouldn't wholly choose in a challenging situation to follow God's word and began to turn back. And gradually... As I observe on, I've seen a man come down from a great vantage point and began to descend into the valleys. But in that, he loses his vision. He loses his calling for what God is leading him into. You see, he sees his occupation and not his calling. He sees the environment Opposed to the spiritual kingdom that God is calling him into. What lens are you observing your life through? How do you see yourselves? Do you know the Bible has called us to become a royal priesthood. 1 Peter 2.9. It says you are a royal priesthood. It's called us to not stumble... In 1 Peter 2 there was a group of people who weren't obeying God's word and they were stumbling for it in life. And they were disobeying the message of God, which they were destined for. And it says there in verse 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into this wonderful world. Light. Do you see yourself and take your identity from your occupation or what you do in society or firstly and primarily and pivotally do you see yourself as what God has called you to be as a king, priest and prophet, as of a royal priesthood? because when we see ourselves from the vantage point when we've got the mind of Christ when we've got the lens of Christ when we're living according to the word we see everything differently we see through everything we pull back the veil and we see the world for what it is and we see the landscape for what it is and then we grow in strength because we grow in our mandate we grow in our primary calling as king, priest and prophet but we are not Like those who live according to the natural, we are unique, we are chosen, we are called. You are a king, you are a priest, you are a prophet here today primarily. That is your primary function, that is your general office. If you see yourself in your world, anything above that primarily, you are not living in the fullness, you will not attain to the vantage point And live in the great strength and power and influence that so burns in your heart to be and so burns in your heart to do. What does a king do? A king establishes and maintains law, it defends the ground of law, God's laws, God's kingdom values. You are defenders of it, number one. Secondly, you are priests. You are priests. Now, a priest, he stands before God on behalf of people. He stands before God on behalf of people. You are a representative to them by God primarily. What does a prophet do? Well, a prophet stands before people on behalf of God. You are a spokesperson. God, You are called to be salt and light. What does salt do? It holds the rot of a decaying society. What does light do? It exposes the darkness. You're a royal priesthood that is holding back, being salt to prevent this rot and to expose its darkness. You are a messenger for God. And you stand before those people as A shepherd to God. You see, you'll begin to change your perspective. I began to see that change in my colleague, in my friend's perspective. He didn't begin to see the people that he led as his flock, as their priest, as their prophet, as a king in that environment. He just began to see his medals. He just began to see his stripes his badges, and thereby he began to lose the greatest influence that he could have to those people. And his true mandate, which was to be a vessel for the living God, to transform that world and be a representative of God for those people. If you begin to see people primarily as mere people, we will lose the battle. You will lose your key terrain. You are to stand in your priestly robes, spiritually speaking, and you are to see yourself as the king, priest, and prophet, and the people that God positions you over and influence of and around every day as your sheep that you are to shepherd. You are their shepherd. And you are to primarily to care for them. When we begin to stand in that position, we take the vital ground and we begin to take the key terrain of society for God's glory. Then ground gets taken. We possess the land. Let me ask you today, what are you seeing yourself as? What identity are you standing in? Our minds are to be renewed. We are to take the vital ground. You are to stand into your priestly mandate as believers. Your minds must be renewed. We attain to the mind of Christ by exerting the word more than anything else. And we become influences for his glory. We have a great part to play. We have a role for his glory. We repel the darkness. We bring Light to it. We hold back the rot. We see the landscape differently. And then we see the floods of grace begin to permeate and saturate society wherever God has uniquely positioned each and every one of you. Don't turn back from Him. Imitate the Father and live out the values of the kingdom in this new homeland that God is calling us to influence the kingdom of God. God has a special plan for you. He has a special plan for his church, but we must follow and trust him to his letter. We must take and hold the vital ground of our minds primarily, because without that, you will not have the right lens. You will not have the right mindset. You will not attain to the right knowledge, wisdom and revelation that he's wanting to impart in you. You won't live from a position of influence, but you'll live to a position of being influenced. We must advance and take that key terrain of influence. Where has he called you? Where do you spend your time? That's your key terrain. They stand this afternoon here This afternoon, Kenston Centre. The worship team are going to come back onto the platform right now. I just want you to bow your heads as we close in prayer. And we're going to close by declaring God as our victor. And us in victory in him. Let me just ask again here today. And challenge you in this because your greatest desires stem from attaining and yielding to the word of the living God. When we observe and when we live according to the natural, there's always gonna be a stumble in our life. But when we yield to the word of the living God, when we really embrace the world and life and what it's all about and the Creator, of the heavens and earth, and our unique role and mandate that you have within that. All of us are kings, priests, and prophets primarily, before anything else. Before you're a doctor, you're a priest, a prophet, a king. Before you're a nurse, before you're a teacher, before you are a house mama or a house dad, before you are a taxi driver, before you are a driver, before you are in administration, whatever role of society you are whoever you are primarily before that above that that trumps that is you are a royal priesthood you are a king priest and prophet and you have the mind of Christ that is your role that is your function that's when we begin to advance that's when we build and bring God the glory how are you seeing yourself today What robes are you wearing? The uniform of your occupation or the robes of righteousness? The priestly robes of your primary mandate? Maybe you're here today and you've lost your vital ground. You know you've turned back in many areas. The word has challenged you. People have challenged you. But there's something in you that's hardened your heart to it. And and you know you're turning away. I want to encourage you today. God is calling you back. He's saying, come back with me, my son. Come back with me, my daughter. You may not understand it with the natural mindset, but when you attain to the mind of Christ, when you put all of your hope and faith in me, I'll lead you to the path of righteousness and to your true mission for life where you will find true fulfillment. Listen, maybe you're A little bit fearful today, but God wants you to jump out that back of that plane boldly and confidently into His arms. It's not easy; it takes courage at times. But He wants you to boldly take that vital ground, so you can boldly take the key terrain of your life. Let Him fill you with courage here today. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every person here today. I thank you for what you've called us to be and what you've called us to do. You've not left us as orphans. You've not left us in a life without purpose. On the contrary, you've sent your only Son for us that we may be sons of you and daughters of you with great purpose, with a great mission, the ultimate mission which is to bring you glory and advance your kingdom. May that be the lens and the mindset to which we have when we step into our weeks this week and by it we're fully persuaded, we're fully assured that the life of grace and the power of the Spirit will begin to work through us in a supernatural way. We'll have a fresh identity of who we are. We'll have a fresh sense of purpose, a fresh sense of life, a fresh sense of joy, and a new spring in our step as we embrace, not easy, but hard mandate, but one that brings eternal rewards that will bring us truly a life. Father, we wear the victor's crown because you attained the crown for us, and we stand before you right now And we declare those truths in the mighty name of Jesus. Touch every heart. Touch every person, Lord. And I pray for the mind of Christ to be imputed to each and every one of us. That we can be that king. That we can be that priest. That we can be that prophet with power and with influence for the kingdom of the living God. Amen. Amen.